0: Hello everyone and welcome to We F'd Up. I'm Teresa. I'm Cody. And we are here on our biweekly journey to bring to you all of the times in history where we f up. What are we talking about today, Cody?
1: Talk about one of my favorite subjects to talk about and something I could talk about for hours on end, but for your sake and the listener's sake, I'll try to cut it down. Talk about baseball.
0: Well, I just started crying because in... There's no this...
1: crying in baseball!
0: Okay, that was really loud. Um, In this house, there is crying in baseball because baseball makes me cry because I get bored. <laughs> I I mean, if there are exciting things that, happening that in baseball, physically then...
1: physically hurts me.
0: I'm sorry. Like
1: I am in pain now.
0: I'll go to a baseball game with you, but just don't expect me to be super stoked the entire time. I, I, there are. It's fine. It's going to be okay. Alright,
1: depressed. Now let's just get on with this.
0: <laughs> it's going to be okay. It's. It's like if you went to a tennis match, you would be bored, right? Yeah. Yeah. We are talking about baseball today. Yes. All right. What are we talking about in regards to baseball? I'm about one of the uh, the invention most... of baseball no. is that the the big f up today? No. <laughs> okay. We're
1: talking about uh, one of the most legendary people, and not really all of sports, Babe Ruth. He's okay. not our f upper, but our F-Up involves him heavily. Okay. so
0: Babe Ruth, yes. notorious philanderer and alcoholic? There
1: that's besides the point. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, in the first few decades of the 20th century, baseball was America's most popular sport. Uh, by the late 1910s, Major League Baseball had settled into the National League, which was founded in 1876, and the American League, in 1901. the champions of the two leagues began meeting in the World Series championship in 1903 at the time pitchers were utterly dominant uh, in 1908 for example the league batting average was 239 which is not very good What an...
0: what's the highest that it can be?
1: I mean theoretically it could be a thousand but
0: oh yeah I guess that's where that phrase comes from huh yeah. batting a thousand.
1: Yeah, that's where you get a hit every time.
0: See, I used to say batting 100 <laughs> as that. Batting
1: 100 uh, is horrible.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> see, that's why it was so funny, because I'd be like, wow, you're batting 100, and they would just look at me like puzzled.
1: You're only hitting one out of every 10 at bats. It's not very good.
0: That'd be good for me. One out of 10, that's great. That's perfect.
1: And then the earned run average of the time was... a. Uh, Very, very tight. 2.40.
0: What does that even mean? What is an earned run? Earned run... Oh, Lord. So an
1: earned run is a run that is allowed, like, when... Earned. (laughs) Sorry. Yes. But through, like, the normal course of play. Uh, It's better to define, like, what an unearned run is. Like, if a batter reaches base through an error, for example, and that player eventually gets around the bases and scores that's an unearned run okay so So it just means
0: that they they hit the ball or got on base and somebody else hit balls to get them to the home plate no
1: no what that means is like they reached base on an error
0: i don't understand continue just uh, you're not going to be able to teach me all the rules of baseball
1: (laughs) Uh, well a 2.40 earner on average very low okay strategy was focused more on uh, getting men on base and then when they're on base bunting or stealing to advance the runners rather than slugging which is like hitting home runs hitting the ball to the outfield like the long ball hits okay so they're focused more on the short game
0: so they were kind of sandbagging a little bit no oh
1: no they're just focused more on the short game than the long game okay uh baseball parks also had much larger dimensions making it more difficult to hit home runs uh, for example, the Red Sox in the early 20th century, they played at a place called the Huntington Avenue Grounds. Mm-hmm. Centerfield was over 630 feet. On average today, it's about 350 to 400 feet.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah,
1: so the dimensions were not favorable to hitting home, home runs. runs. Yeah, So wow. Okay.
0: Um, but those uh, those outfielders, they their cardio had to be really high. Yeah. <laughs> Just running 600 feet to get yeah. a ball every time. It's uh, a half a mile.
1: Yeah. Jesus. Uh, that's why they don't, they don't have that anymore. Yeah. Uh, pitchers could alter the baseball by scuffing it, marking it, or even spitting on it, which would affect the motion of the baseball after being thrown from the mound. Yeah. So the old tool, old school spitball. Yep. That was legal. That was legal still at the time. Uh, the baseball itself had not yet been perfected and would remain in use until it literally began to fall apart. Yeah. So. Why not? As opposed to now what's like, if the ball is like scuffed even a little bit, it gets replaced.
0: Man, it seems so wasteful.
1: Yeah. Gotta make sure everybody has a fair shot at hitting the ball.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the condition of the ball, because, you know, by the time it's going to fall apart, it's dirty, people spat on it, they've marked it up, they've thrown dirt on it.
0: It could be a misshapen.
1: It looks dead. Mm-hmm. Hence the name of the era, the dead ball era. Mm-hmm. Uh, very few batters ever hit over ten home runs in a season.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so, like, just very, very few power hitters.
0: No if, Barry Bonds? No Barry Bonds during this time?
1: No, there were no... I mean, there were cheaters at the time, but... Um, you know that's not what I meant. Nobody doing steroids. Um, very uh, anyway, dominant teams of the period included the Chicago Cubs, the New York Giants, the Philadelphia Athletics, the Boston Red Sox, and the Detroit Tigers.
0: Hmm. So many of them still around.
1: Yeah, all five of those are still around. Two of them in different cities, but all five are still around. Yeah. Uh baseball while popular was not the economic powerhouse it is today. Uh between 1900 and 1920, only about 5% of the US population would go to a game during the season as opposed to about 20% today.
0: Is it because it was expensive?
1: Well, there were also like less teams. Mm-hmm. There were only about 14 15, like between a dozen and 15 teams at the time. Mhm. And they were all centered around the northeast and the midwest. Ah. So like I see. there weren't any teams west of St. Louis. Oh More okay. Like south of St. Louis or uh Baltimore or Cincinnati. Oh wow. Jeez, okay. So, yeah, so like it, it's confined to a limited area and it's yeah. less than half the teams it has today.
0: Okay. So it it didn't quite have the yeah. uh the draw.
1: Right. I mean, you would still have people nationally like following the stuff through like the newspapers. Mm-hmm. And, uh radio was a little, a little bit before radio, but um yeah, it was primarily centered on where the population of the country was at the time.
0: Yeah. So. And if you don't have baseball stadiums everywhere, you know, within the major thoroughfare for people to get to them, then no wonder.
1: Yeah. I mean, the baseball stadiums were big. And they were also, like, you know, starting to become bigger at this time, but they weren't...
0: What like year the, are we talking about?
1: Like 1900 to 1920.
0: Yeah, well, people also weren't just driving around everywhere, so
1: I mean they could take public transportation, but yeah, yeah, it just wasn't as widespread as it is now. Sure. Uh, it was in this environment that Babe Ruth made his major league debut. A little about a little bit about the old man Bino. Um, he was born George Herman Ruth Jr. in February 1895 in Baltimore. His rebellious childhood led to him being placed into a Catholic reform school.
0: Yeah, makes uh, sense. But while he
1: was there, he began playing baseball in various positions, playing on the school team, and they would barnstorm around, you know, locally. And
0: What is barnstorming?
1: Uh, Just going around playing other teams. Okay. Um, Professionally, amateur, you know, whatever. Okay. Like Harlem Globetrotters. Like, bar- barnstorming team.
0: Okay. Basketball. Sure. So... You play them, it doesn't really count for anything. Right, yeah.
1: It's just like, just go around playing play exhibition games.
0: Yeah. Scrimmage. If it were soccer.
1: Yeah. Uh, He was scouted by Jack Dunn, the owner-manager of the minor league Baltimore Orioles. Not the modern-day Baltimore Orioles.
0: Just has the same name.
1: Yes. And signed (laughs) to a contract before the 1915 season. Uh, Ruth was a star both on the mound and at the plate but financial troubles led Dunn to sell Ruth's contract to the Major League Boston Red Sox. Okay. Ruth made his Major League debut on July 11th, 1915, pitching a victory over the currently named Cleveland Guardians. Mhm. There's a picture of a young Babe Ruth pitching in a Red Sox uniform.
0: I just want to say that based off this picture, baseball looks so dreary and bleak. <laughs> it looks like he's just in a pile of mud like he's in a giant mud pit because there's, I mean, there's probably no turf like regulations or anything at this point
1: uh, there's some but not yeah, nowhere near what it would be today
0: yeah so. it looks well the photo is black and white of course but it looks like he's just in a giant mud pit I mean the, mo- the money just balls. wasn't places. I know I've yeah. seen A League of Their Own of the historical <sighs> documentary A League of Their Own
1: Used primarily uh, as a pitcher, but uh, Ruth, he found some success as a hitter. Uh, So, like, when he was with the Red Sox, he, first few years, he was mostly a pitcher, which is, you think of Babe Ruth hitting home runs, you don't Mm -hmm. think of him as pitching. Right. Uh, The Red Sox won the 1915 World Series, but Ruth was only used as a pinch hitter.
0: Okay. Pinch hitters to spot in for the pitcher, right?
1: Can be, yes. A A pitcher can, like, just...
0: Sub in for anybody. Yeah. Okay.
1: So, yeah, you're, you're, I'll, I'll give you that one.
0: I remembered. Yep. In
1: 1916, Ruth had a stellar season as a pitcher, compiling a 23-12 and 12 record and a 1.75 ERA, which today is just unheard of.
0: Like unheard of good? Yes. Okay.
1: Culminating in another Red Sox championship. Dang. While primarily a pitcher, Ruth was becoming known for hitting long home runs when he batted. So he's starting to develop a reputation. Yeah, he's a good pitcher, but he can also hit. Mm -hmm. After the latest championship, a majority stake in the Red Sox were sold to New York theater producer Harry Frazee. Okay. Let me show you a picture of Frazee. That's him. After the latest championship, a majority stake in the Red Sox were sold to New York theater producer Harry Frazee.
0: It's interesting. He must have had a lot of money because Uh, I feel like theater production is not at all anywhere like baseball. (laughs)
1: No, but, I mean, also, I, I mean, in the sense that you're putting on a show.
0: Okay. All right.
1: You're entertaining a crowd. Trying so, to get
0: butts in seats. Yeah. Um, that makes sense.
1: Frazee, uh, especially given one thing i want to mention here, Frazee uh, had been born in June 1880 in Peoria, Illinois. Uh, he played semi-pro baseball when he was younger, but was primarily a theater producer and promoter.
0: Oh, Okay, so he had a little bit of knowledge and background. Yeah,
1: a little bit. Okay. Uh, after finding success in Chicago, he moved to New York in 1913. He staged several hit plays, such as Fine Feathers and Adele, which I don't know what those are, but...
0: Yeah, never heard of them.
1: I haven't either, but... That's okay. Assuming they were, they were successes. He promoted the 1915 Boxing Heavyweight Championship between Jess Willard and Jack Johnson. So wow. Again, putting on a show. Yeah producing issues. so it's like you know i guess
0: of... i guess a producer like if we're talking event producer that's yeah. pretty similar yeah. not like i'm thinking theater production as in theater production now which mm-hmm. would be like actually producing a play and not like funding and like getting butts and seats and stuff like that
1: yeah i don't i don't, uh, wouldn't see you know hal steinbrenner producing a play
0: yeah definitely not no. it i mean it's very different the industries are very different now but i yeah. see i see what you mean he's more of an event promoter than he was yeah a producer yeah well i mean but...
1: he produced plays but yeah yeah um he purchased a majority stake in the red Sox from joseph lannan after the 1960 world series as i mentioned for at the time six hundred seventy five thousand dollars, which in 2022 is about 18.1 million
0: jeez man oh that's, I mean... That's crazy money, though, for 1916.
1: Yeah, but think about, like, what the Red Sox are probably worth today. Like, it's in the multiple billions of dollars. Well, when was so, the Great Depression? 1930s.
0: Okay. Never mind. Yeah, it was after this. World War One though? When was that?
1: We're gonna get to that. It's okay. It's going on at this time, but we are not involved yet.
0: But this this is, like, a stupid amount of money at this point. Like, even during it's, those it's standards. It's a lot. It's yeah. a
1: lot. But, I mean, it's not unheard of. Yeah. But. Okay. So, in April 1917, the United States entered World War I. Uh Conscription began in September 1917, and baseball players were not exempt, which created some staffing issues. Sure. Uh, Ruth, at this point, was one of the best left-handed pitchers in baseball, and the management did not want to risk him getting hurt by playing him as a batter on his non-pitching days. Because pitchers only pitch every few days. They don't don't pitch every day, so it's like, you know... Today, the typical thing is a rotation of five starting pitchers.
0: Why does it make a difference that he's left-handed? You just said that specifically, I'm not sure.
1: Well, I mean, there's just... Well, one, one, there's there's less of them. Uh Uh-huh. Just by sheer... Yeah. Like, ratio. Right. So...
0: It's just advantageous in terms of physicality?
1: It's advantageous in terms of strategy.
0: Okay. All right. I see. Against
1: the batter. So... Because most batters, most of the pitchers they, pl- they face are right-handed. Okay. So they have to bat it a, a differently against a left-handed pitcher. They have to look for certain things differently at a left-handed pitcher.
0: I so, see. Okay. So it's uncommon.
1: Yes. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah, less common than right-handers, of course. I see. Uh, however, with personnel issues, Ruth pushed to play every day, which was reluctantly agreed to.
0: Wow. That's a lot. Playing every day.
1: I mean, that's most... Batters do so in 1918. Ruth shifted to primarily batting and hit 300, uh, a 300 batting average. Is that good? Yes, okay, with 11 home runs, which tied the major league lead. Wow, 11.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, with 650 foot uh outfield, yeah, that's well, a lot. Yeah, it's not saying a whole lot because how yeah. could you hit a baseball half a mile? Could most home run hitters right now hit a baseball half a mile? They don't even train for that. That's
1: assuming you hit it to dead center, not like left or right field. But
0: but yeah, yeah. but you know what I mean. Well, I mean,
1: by the time the Red Sox are in Fenway Park, yeah. So like it's it's not 600 feet
0: anymore. Yeah, but even still, like I think I think now like we've finessed baseball into such a science that that we train hitters to only hit as far as the fence. And no further. They're not, like, hitting it into the parking lot. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, well,
1: very rarely will you hit a... Like, a ball does not go out of the park anymore.
0: Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So,
1: I know Adam Dunn hit one in the Ohio, into the Ohio River once, and that was a big deal.
0: <laughs> that that ball's never coming out.
1: No. They, like, it hit a piece of driftwood on the shore and floated out into the river. So. Oh.
0: <laughs> well, that's not... That's not, like, a golf ball, you know, like, plunking no, into the middle still, of it. I mean, kinda cool. it's still. That's kind of cool. out of the park, but... Yeah.
1: Um I know the San Francisco Giants, their stadium is like right against the uh against, against the water. Uh-huh. And so they have this little area called McCovey Cove and you have people sit out there and cut little kayaks.
0: Wait to, to wait for balls. To wait for home runs. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's goofy. <laughs> yeah. I would not do that. No. But that's too much.
1: <laughs> um Yeah. Uh so in nineteen eighteen, but Ruth hitting well, he still pitched well. Uh, had compiling a 13-7 and record with a 2.22 ERA, so still pretty good. And the Red Sox would win the 1918 World Series over the Chicago Cubs in six games. For the 1919 season, Ruth switched permanently to batting, pitching only sporadically. He proceeded to annihilate existing home run records, reaching his career-best 11th on July 5th, so halfway through the season. Wow. The American League single-season mark of 16 on July 29th, And he broke the major league record of 27 on September 24th. Geesh. However, Ruth's hitting prowess did not translate to team success and the Red Sox were not in contention for the 1919 championship.
0: Wow. So even though they had this one superstar hitter, they still sucked really bad. I
1: would say real bad, but they just weren't in contention for it. Okay. Uh, With Ruth's wide base of popularity... Because even when they were out of contention, the Red Sox drew large crowds just to see him hit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, he, Ruth demanded a salary increase after the season.
0: Yeah, of course, you're you're an yeah. asset to the team. You exactly. want more cash.
1: Uh, Frazee, he was already in a delicate financial position.
0: Oh, so won't.
1: because he needed money to continue backing his theater productions, of course. And he was in a dispute with the ownership of Fenway Park, which had not been included in the sale of the Red Sox to him. Oh. So he has a landlord.
0: So he diversified his portfolio, but he didn't have enough cash to fund both of these things. Yes. Number 1 and number 2, he has a landlord. Well, yeah, cuz
1: yeah, he didn't buy cuz Fenway Park wasn't included in the sale of the Red Sox.
0: Is that a thing anymore? I feel like that's oh, yeah. not really a thing, is no, it? No, no,
1: it is like um a lot of times um like the these big states, like the county essentially owns it or runs it. Okay. And so, like, the teams have a lease. So, like, like the Bengals, they have a lease on Paul Brown Stadium that's coming up here shortly. And there's talk that maybe might not get renewed.
0: So... Which means the
1: team would have to move.
0: Or build another stadium.
1: Yeah, which is, of course, what ownership is pushing for. And I don't think Hamilton County is really really gung-ho to build a third stadium in 25 years.
0: Well, yeah, I was going to say, isn't there another stadium that's just empty right now? Isn't there a huge, like, soccer stadium down there that's empty? I don't know about soccer, but... Oh, okay. um, There's another huge stadium that's, like, within the mile uh, and is empty, I think. The
1: point being, uh, yeah. So, like, a lot of teams do have... Like, sometimes they own the stadium. Like, I Mm -hmm. think the Rams own their stadium. But a lot of times, no. It's the county. Oh, okay. They're They're the operator of it, but...
0: It's um, <laughs> so weird. Uh, I have this extremely successful, lucrative business that's worth billions of dollars, but don't have a place to live. <laughs> yeah,
1: Frazee decided on a course. Sports teams owner, sports team owners have taken, since time immemorial, selling top talent to save a buck.
0: Oh, boo!
1: Yes, so many owners have taken that route, including the fricking Castellinis.
0: I have no idea what you're talking they own the about, Reds. but it seems bad. They own the Reds. We have Joey. We have Joey Votto.
1: Every off season, they either trade away all the good people, except for Votto, or they won't fork over the money to keep the good people.
0: Except for That's Votto. why the Reds
1: suck every year, because the cast of ladies suck. They need to go.
0: Joe Va- Joey Votto still bangs though.
1: <laughs> he does. I got a shirt that says it.
0: Yeah. I, I don't really I don't really have a dog in this fight, honestly. I'm sure that there are more things at play than lowly peons like us can possibly fathom. No, it's
1: the Castellini's our skinflints.
0: Okay. Cool. So Cody obviously is a very impartial third party when it comes to baseball and the Reds specifically, so just I just
1: state the facts.
0: Uh-huh. State the facts.
1: It is a known fact the Castellines are cheap, miserly skinflints. On December 26, 1919, Frazee sold Ruth's contract to the New York Yankees in exchange for 25000 in cash, 75000 in promissory notes to be cashed later, and a $300,000 loan to resolve the Fenway Park situation.
0: Wow. Okay. That's a lot.
1: Yes. So <laughs> now, Babe Ruth... Is a member of the New York Yankees. And this is where we have to talk about the curse of the Bambino <laughs> and baseball curses in general.
0: You're so crappy about Zodiac signs, and yet we're getting ready to talk about baseball curses Yeah, because on our baseball history. curses are real. Baseball curses on a history podcast. Yeah,
1: they're real. They happen i have proof curses i have proof
0: who put the curse on them is that in your research the, who put I, i've got to the get curse? to that okay all just, right we'll see we'll see you're gonna give me crap about zodiac signs but that's curses. Fake. baseball but, curses are real so that means that curses are real
1: no baseball curses specifically
0: Why would baseball have curses? Because it just does. But not anything else. Because it just does. Your logic is flawless, as always. Yes.
1: Baseball has a long history of superstition and curses, proven to be completely accurate and true. Did you write that down? Yes, I did.
0: You put that in your notes? Yeah.
1: I have examples of superstitions that are true.
0: (laughs) Okay. So,
1: for example, Wade Boggs... Very famous. Played for the Red Sox. I I know.
0: I know who Wade Box is. Really? Yeah, I know the Wade Box first.
1: He only ate chicken before games. Took exactly 150 ground balls during practice and ran sprints at 7:17 p.m. every single day. But Hall of Fame career, so it worked out for him. Tim Wakefield would eat a pound of spaghetti before any game he started as a pitcher. (laughs) Won two championships. So it worked out for him. Joe DiMaggio. legendary hitter Hall of Famer when he came in from the outfield to the dugout, Leo after you know uh, playing out in the field he would only do it after touching second base he had to touch second base every single time and last example is one I have personally I have empirical evidence on common practice is to not talk about a no hitter while it is in progress I have proven this as a fact because I saw Homer Bailey's second no hitter in 2013, and I didn't mention a no hitter, and nobody around me mentioned a no hitter, and he hit a no hitter or how had ma- a no hitter.
0: How many people can sit in the Red Stadium?
1: Like hey, forty-five thousand. Not a one of them. Not a one said anything about no hitter. Oh, you know that? Yes, for a fact. Yes, because he 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 had a no hitter, so nobody must have mentioned it.
0: <laughs> this is this is the the most. Just the most silly thing I've ever heard on this podcast
1: now but, to move on to baseball curses,
0: oh, okay, because all of these superstitions are a hundred percent real. Yes, and those those people who ate pounds of spaghetti and touched second base and everything, they never lost a game, right?
1: No, I mean, they lost games, but they had Hall of Fame careers,
0: okay. So they were above average players. But the superstition is just a coincidence. They were really good at what they did. The spaghetti and the second base touching and all that had nothing to do with it.
1: It had everything to do with it.
0: Then why don't you eat spaghetti every every time you do a podcast? Because
1: as evidence on Sunday, this past Sunday, maybe I shouldn't eat that much pasta.
0: (laughs) So in any case... Baseball These curses are coincidences. No, no. These are baseball coincidences.
1: Look, look you can you can poo poo it all you want. I don't care. Baseball curses, though. This is the this is the heavy stuff. Uh-huh. So examples. The curse of the Billy Goat. During the 1945 World Series, a tavern owner named William Sianis cursed the Chicago Cubs by saying, "Them Cubs, they ain't got to win no more." When the Cubs ejected Sianis and his pet goat from the stadium, <laughs>
0: that it's it's honestly <clears throat> crap that the Cubs they don't did let. Not
1: win again until 2016.
0: It's bullcrap that they don't allow goats into the stadium as your companion anymore. And they
1: came close a few times, but the curse it reared its ugly <laughs> head and caused them to lose. For example, Steve Bartman, 2003. The curse put him in that seat. Steve Bartman uh in 2003 the Cubs were on the verge of getting to the World Series I think they only had like a few outs left in the game to get there and they're playing the Florida the then Florida Marlins and the Marlins hitter he hit it to the outfield Moises Alou the outfielder went to reach up because he the ball was like he could get the ball the ball was in play a guy a Cubs fan from the stands reached out and grabbed the ball before it got to the the glove? To, to the fielder.
0: Uh-huh. So it doesn't count?
1: What well, counts as a home run.
0: Oh, boy. Well, actually, boy. It, may been,
1: it may have been Fanner. I don't remember how it was called exactly, but point being, the Cubs could, like, he could have easily caught that out.
0: Uh Yeah.
1: And then the Cubs utterly just collapsed, and they didn't make it to the World Series that year.
0: So what you're saying is a random dude yelling them cubs ain't gonna win no more is a curse yes no that's no curse i'm sorry the curse
1: of billy penn (laughs) philadelphia teams were cursed this is multiple sports philadelphia teams were cursed after the 1987 construction of the one liberty place skyscraper which eclipsed the philadelphia city hall as the city's tallest building and the name comes from the statue of William Penn, the founder of Pennsylvania, right. atop City Hall. Mm-hmm. Only after a small statuette of William Penn was placed at the top of the new Comcast Center building in 2007 was the curse lifted, and the Phillies won the World Series the next year.
0: Who? Okay, so who put the curse on there? What's the provenance of this curse?
1: They, could, they constructed a building, because up to this point, City Hall, with its statue of William Penn at the top, was the tallest building in Philadelphia. They build a building taller than that. You know, uh, Curse.
0: Okay, how does a statue of William Penn being the tallest thing in the area have anything to do with sports that were developed and created hundreds of years after William Penn existed? It just does. <laughs> this is like saying, "Well, I I didn't wear an eight and a half shoe for six years, so that's why all the bad things in my life happened." That's exactly what you're saying. You're, it's a false equivalence. That one thing does not have anything to do with the other. Nope. You're like breaking my brain with this. Nope. And I can tell that you totally buy into it too, which is the most, that's the most silly part of the whole thing. I'm just sitting here like poking, the, these things are as as solid as Swiss cheese and I'm sitting here poking holes in them and you're still like, no, yeah. Yeah, no, Pennsylvania, William Penn (laughs) cursed all of the Philly teams. They only won after they fixed the problem. Okay, what about all of the other teams in Pennsylvania?
1: I said Philadelphia teams.
0: I I understand, but William Penn has to do with all of Pennsylvania, no?
1: Primarily Philadelphia.
0: Okay, but what about all of the other Pennsylvania teams?
1: It was a local curse. (laughs) I didn't say it was a statewide curse.
0: (laughs) Okay. Who the built- curse! <laughs>
1: Moving on. The curse of Eddie Grant.
0: I think you're just upset. The Giants, I, I'm pointing the Giants
1: were cursed for leaving the New York area for San Francisco after the 1957, leaving behind in their old stadium a memorial plaque for a player who had been killed during World War I, Eddie Grant. Mm-hmm. Only after a similar plaque was placed at their current stadium in San Francisco in 2008 did the Giants win another World Series. <laughs> In between there, they didn't win one. Not a one.
0: <laughs> okay, I mean it's nice that they commemorated that man and the new stadium, but yes. once again,
1: final one I will mention. Wait,
0: wait, wait, wait. So, <laughs> do you think that it was the ghost of this dude who was killed in World War One that was cursing them for not commemorating it was him? The fans,
1: the fans, cursed them collectively <laughs> for leaving New York.
0: i think that of all of
1: them if if the reds ever left left cincinnati you bet your ass i'm gonna curse them
0: i think that that is probably the more plausible of all of these curses is that the fans were so pissed that they left new york that they that a coven of witches of new york baseball watching witches
1: a witch is gonna show up here at some point (laughs) oh my
0: god is it the goat is the goat also a witch no the goat is not a witch okay
1: finally the curse of the black Sox. Several players of the 1919 Chicago White Sox conspired to throw the World Series that year to the Cincinnati Reds.
0: That's not a curse. I'm. Would you stop? <laughs>
1: okay. And so, because they conspired to throw an honest game, the team was cursed until 2005, when the White Sox won a championship.
0: Okay, so... Other teams, let's let's just Google quickly. Other teams that conspired to throw World Series games, I bet you I can find at least three or four that were not cursed, that never had curses against no. them. So why is it that the White Sox got cursed and nobody else?
1: Because they went to throw the World Series. You'll throw the World Series.
0: Okay, what about that team? What was the team that got uh, in a lot of trouble for... Um, uh, Sign-stealing?
1: Houston Astros.
0: Have they been cursed? No, not yet. <laughs> what do you mean, not yet? Wouldn't that... It takes time for these curses
1: to come about, okay? Like like the curse of the billy goat, 1945. The Cubs hadn't won since 1908. You gotta give these curses time to develop, okay?
0: <laughs> Just completely arbitrary. Except the Pennsylvania one, the, the Philadelphia one, that one was timely. That one kicked in immediately after they built the building.
1: Yeah, because yeah, like, it <laughs> resides higher than the William Penn statue. And it but, only got fixed after they put another Penn statue up there.
0: So they're not time sensitive then. They don't take time to work. They both simultaneously hey, wait, look, not need curse time. Is the same. They need there's, time. There's in not a own.
1: uniform curse code, okay?
0: I feel like that's not true, but okay. <laughs> Go ahead.
1: Uh, nah. Anyway. <laughs>
0: Why is it that I'm the voice of reason today on these curses well, it, hey. and superstitions? You're
1: yeah, the voice of reason.
0: Listen, I'm not superstitious. I am a little stitious, and I'm telling you that this is all crap. <laughs> Phrase's
1: financial position improved further with several more contract sales, including selling the contracts of future Hall of Famers Waite Hoyt and Herb Pinnock to the Yankees. Okay. They're so just selling off players still. He ends up selling the Red Sox to Bob Quinn in 1923 for $1.2 million, almost double what he paid for the team in 1960.
0: Yeah, except he's got that promissory note and stuff. So. Well, I mean,
1: I think that was all taken care of, too. So, oh, So, okay. yeah, you know, he, he made a profit on it. Got it. Uh, but he died uh, not too long after in June
0: 1929. Oh, he was not that old. Uh, not really. I wonder um, what happened.
1: I think he had like, a heart attack or something. Yeah. Um, <sighs> uh Ruth as a member of the Yankees would transform baseball. Uh-oh. While some rule changes in 1920-21 and 21 made the game more favorable favorable to hitters, uh Ruth's talent for hitting home runs greatly increased baseball's popularity.
0: Yeah. Hitting dingers, that's how you bring <laughs> that's how you it's bring you should say that because my
1: next next line I have in my notes mm-hmm. in 1920 his first season with the Yankees, Ruth obliterated his home his own home run record from the season before, hitting fifty-four dingers. I put dingers in my notes. <laughs>
0: uh, if if any of our listeners haven't seen it yet, uh, the video of that kid. I think his name is Kyle. Have you ever seen that video?
1: I know I don't know what you're talking about. It's just
0: this you know how like sometimes in all star leagues for like little little league, um, they'll do like a video compilation of all the players. Yeah. Well, there's this one that like went around on YouTube a couple years ago and it's just this kid and he's like, my name's Kyle and I hit dingers. And then he just like hits the, he hits it like yeah. somebody s- slow pitches him and he hits it and it, it just went around for a long time because the kid is just so wholesome. He's just yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. my name's Kyle. I hit dingers. <laughs> it's pretty That's great. Funny. I'll post it up on our Twitter. That's fine.
1: Um, over the next 15 seasons, Ruth built one of the most legendary careers in baseball finishing his career in 1935 with 714 home runs, including a record 60 in 1927. And there's probably him in his heyday Yankees, like, hit just after he hit a home run in Yankees uniform. Nice. So.
0: Cool. We'll also, a Slugger Ruth Bat
1: <laughs> is very emblematic of the fact that you do not need to be an athlete to play baseball
0: oh yeah I, <laughs> I, didn't he live like a really hard life he smoked and drank and <laughs> yeah. chewed tobacco and yep. was kind of fat yep. towards the end of his yeah. end of his career
1: yeah you can be fat and play baseball very well so yeah so long as you're not an outfielder um both records would stand for decades until Roger Maris hit 61 home runs in the 1961 season and Hank Aaron hit his 715th career home run in 1974.
0: So it took a long time. Oh, yeah. No curses there. No. Uh,
1: the Yankees, who had been mired in misery before acquiring Ruth, assembled one of the most legendary teams around their new star, culminating in the 1927 Murderers Row lineup. Dang.
0: So, that's, like, that's a pretty badass name. <laughs>
1: yeah. 1927 Yankees. The, I mean, one of the best teams to ever play the game. Probably second best ever. Yeah. Um,
0: It was the first best. Well,
1: 1975 Cincinnati reds
0: I I was going to say, I don't even want to hear actually. Big red machine.
1: The greatest assemblage of men to ever take a baseball field. I will fight anybody who disputes me on it.
0: Is Pete Rose in there? Yes. Then, incorrect.
1: Pipe down. You
0: said greatest assembly of men. If Pete Rose is lumped in there, then you cannot say that.
1: Greatest assemblage of men to take a baseball field.
0: Minus Pete Rose.
1: No! (laughs) Yeah! He's one of the best hitters to ever play the game.
0: Sorry, can't divest uh, the personal life, the crappiness of the personal life from asterisk. <laughs> um, is much, that...
1: A much smaller asterisk than many other players who actually cheated.
0: Is that empirical that it's the second best team, or are you putting your emotion in there?
1: Look, I, I live and breathe baseball, okay? I know what I'm talking about. <laughs>
0: Curses and superstitions. During Ruth's
1: time with the Yankees from nineteen twenty to nineteen thirty four, they appeared in seven World Series, winning four.
0: Wow, fourteen years with them! Mm-hmm.
1: Jeez. The Yankees' ownership parlayed Ruth's popularity and the newfound team success into the construction of Yankee Stadium, often colloquially referred to as the house that Ruth built.
0: Is it still there? Is which it served, the served as their th-
1: home from nineteen twenty three to two thousand eight. Oh, okay. Uh, the the current stadium is also called Yankee Stadium. Uh, it was built in 2009. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, probably like, needed
0: to oh, be updated.
1: Yeah. Like Yankee they went through a major up, like, renovation in the 1970s, but yeah, it was still in, like, an 85-year-old stadium, so it needed to be, needed to go, even though it was probably one of the, you know, sometimes these old stadiums are referred to as, like, cathedrals of sport. hmm And that was definitely one of them. Yeah. Uh, Ruth retired after the 1935 season after a season with the Boston Braves. Mm-hmm. Uh he was one of the first five players inducted into the baseball hall of fame in nineteen thirty six. So like when the High hall bar Hall of Fame opened is like he's one of the five guys we gotta put in there like immediately.
0: Who were the other four?
1: Ty Cobb, uh oh, I think man. Walter I think Chrissy Mathewson, I think Walter Johnson, maybe Cy Young.
0: Ty Cobb, another dude who needs yeah, horrible an, view, an asterisk. Yeah, horrible <laughs> human being.
1: Um Ruth's number three was retired by the Yankees in June 1948, shortly before his death the following August. Now, this is where we...
0: Reach get... our F-up?
1: No. Well, the F-up was tr- trading, trading the Yankees. In.
0: Okay. what? Wait, why is that an F-up? Are you getting to that? Yes. Okay.
1: The fortunes of the Red Sox were drastically altered following Ruth's departure after the 1919 season they did not have another winning season until 1934. Wow. And did not appear again in the World Series until 1946, when they lost. After additional losses in the World Series in 1975 to the Reds and in 1986 to the Mets, the idea that the Red Sox were cursed began to gain steam, especially given the circumstances of the 1986 Series. They were literally... (laughs) It was the bottom of the 10th They were one strike away from winning the World Series. Just one strike. The Mets batter hits it towards first base. Bill Buckner, uh, excellent fielder, doesn't have a reputation for making errors. The ball just bounces in between his legs and goes past him. In the kind of a comical way. Mm Mm-hmm. The Mets rally. They come back and win that game and the series. Yes. There were several other instances of examples of them being cursed, but that's the most prominent.
0: I just realized that the World Series is called the series because there's more than one game. (laughs) I thought it was like a Super Bowl thing (laughs) where it's just like one game, but it's called the World Series because there's more than one game. (laughs) How many games are there? Best of seven. Okay, that makes sense.
1: You have to win four.
0: Obviously, that's over half. <laughs> I just realized that. I I've just never. I've honestly never critically thought about what that meant.
1: Numerous efforts or ideas. Hang on, of...
0: hang on. Is does that mean that it's the same? It's the same two teams that play the entire seven series, seven yes. games. Okay. Yep. That's a lot.
1: And that's after playing. In the league championship series, like kind of like the semifinals, a best of seven series also.
0: I wonder why seven instead of nine or five? They,
1: uh, there were a couple, where, like the 1919 World Series with the Reds and the White Sox, that was a best of nine. Uh, they toyed okay. with the idea for a couple of years, but I think they just decided this is too much. <laughs>
0: You know what, though? Seven is a very powerful number in numerology, so that kind of lends... give me that
1: numerology crap.
0: No, I was going to say, like, maybe that lends credence to your curse thing.
1: No. It does not need credence lent to it. It's a fact. (laughs) Okay. Numerous efforts or ideas over the years were put forward to break the curse. (laughs) The curse of the Bambino. Examples include burning a Yankees cap atop Mount Everest which somebody did.
0: Oh an idea God. put forward to That's such a waste of time.
1: An ex- an idea was put forward to exhume Babe Ruth and have the Red Sox fans file past him apologizing profusely for trading him.
0: All all of the Red Sox fans, yes. everyone. Yes. In the world. Yes. Cool.
1: As many as many as possible.
0: Reasonable. Reasonable. Hopefully that breaks the curse. Uh, they tried
1: to uh, fans tried to solicit the support of Lori Cabot, the official witch of Massachusetts. But she cannot break the curse. She was not powerful enough to break this curse.
0: She probably was like, look, y'all, there isn't a curse. You guys just suck. She just was not powerful enough. You just suck. But finally,
1: in 2004, the Red Sox overcame a 3 nothing deficit in the American League Championship Series to the Yankees. They overcame that 3 game to nothing deficit to get to the World Series where they swept in four games the St. Louis Cardinals, ending the curse of the Bambino.
0: Wow. Sorry, what was the resolution? What was the thing that broke the curse?
1: There's a few different ideas. Uh, There was one...
0: It wasn't the hat, though. Hmm? It wasn't the hat. It wasn't burning the hat. No. Uh, Are you sure? Because sometimes breaking curses takes time. I don't know if you knew that.
1: Well... uh... (laughs) Some some people speculate that it was possibly um, Manny Ramirez, who played for the Red Sox at the time, it was like August of 2004. He had a ball out to the stands, it hit a kid in the face, it knocked out his two front teeth. The kid happened to be from Baltimore, like Babe Ruth, and yeah, they think that that was it because the Yankees that same day lost twenty-two to nothing. The, the biggest blowout they've ever had to the then Cleveland Indians.
0: What you're saying is a completely arbitrary random thing that happened to a poor little kid and knocked out his two front teeth is suspected to have been the thing that broke the curse. Uh-huh.
1: You don't know that the curse is broken when these things happen.
0: <laughs> and you definitely don't know that a curse has apparently been placed on the team not always. when things it's not happen. Always done right away. Okay. There's so many things to teach you about curses, but the, that'll be another to, look, time. you don't
1: need to teach me about baseball curses. I know baseball curses.
0: Okay. Okay. Cool.
1: cool. All right. Sources for this episode. <laughs> that's
0: it? Yes, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> we're just going to polish it out right there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Harry
1: Frazee, effed up my trade-away Babe Ruth, and the Red Sox were cursed for years. So,
0: <laughs> this entire episode... The, the whole reason why we started this podcast was to, like, lend credence to times in history when people effed up. And this, this is one of them. This ep- this episode is about a curse. Yes.
1: <laughs> a baseball curse. Not a general curse. <laughs> Not like a Sicilian curse that Sophia Petrillo puts on you. This is a baseball curse. This is real.
0: It might as well be. It might as well be a Golden Girls curse, because... I can't even believe that we're at the tail end of this episode. I I honestly did not see that coming. <laughs> Anyways, sources, please.
1: Sources include Babe, The Legend Comes to Life by Robert Kramer from 1992, Benjamin Raider, Baseball, A History of America's Game from 2018, Dan Shaughnessy, The Curse of the Bambino from
0: 1990.
1: It's Shaughnessy. Dan Shaughnessy, yes. Yeah. Mike Vaccaro, Emperors and Idiots, the 100-Year Rivalry between the Yankees and the Red Sox from 2005, and my own extensive baseball knowledge.
0: Is that an MLA format?
1: Reynolds, Cody. Uh, I don't know how you (laughs) cite somebody's brain. My brain.
0: Okay, all right.
1: Vandalia, Ohio, published me, 1990.
0: (laughs) Published... (laughs)
1: me <laughs> yeah, say the publisher when you cite stuff
0: oh my gosh so okay there you go cool
1: listeners please rally to my defense set this woman straight mm-hmm. that baseball curses are a thing
0: oh i'm not gonna dispute with you that baseball curses are probably a thing what i would dispute is that The indication that baseball curses are real means that all curses are real. No,
1: just baseball curses.
0: Why would that thing be the only thing that could possibly be cursed? Crickets. That's what I thought.
1: I don't have all the answers. Oh, okay. This is probably some esoteric thing that somebody did years ago to curse baseball with baseball curses.
0: Oh, wait. What about football? Are there football curses?
1: Not that I'm aware of, although I'm beginning to think that the Packers are cursed because we're going through the same quarterback situation all over again.
0: Who put the curse on them? (sighs) Brett Favre,
1: (laughs) or maybe the Uh, the the PA PA he exposed himself to.
0: Anyways, what are we what are we talking about next time?
1: Next time we are yeah this episode and the previous one a little bit more light a little more lighthearted side you know no horrible deaths.
0: Next time, horrible deaths. Are back on the menu. Okay. We're
1: talking about Native American boarding schools.
0: Oh boy. And
1: the a hole behind them.
0: This is gonna be super sad.
1: Yes, I gotta bring you back around to depressing at some point.
0: Oh boy. Well, just fortify yourself, listeners, with these two more lighthearted episodes. Mm-hmm. And then maybe after this terrible, horrible next episode that we have, we can go back to some a little bit of lightheartedness? Or are we just plowing through misery and despair? Misery and despair. Okay. Please be sure to check out our other projects, the Drunken Pawn, where we play board games and drink on YouTube. Uh, Attack of the Final Girls, my sister podcast project with my lovely podwife Juliet, where we talk about horror movies.
1: Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at We F Up, no spaces.
0: Be sure to rate and review us wherever you listen. Until next time, I'm Teresa. I'm Cody, and this is We, we F Up. up.